The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the May 14th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher, getting ready to kick off a week's worth of Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals. We got one game down. We're going to review that, which was quite a story, and preview tonight's Warriors-Rockets Game 1. Should be pretty fun. With me to do so, we got a three-man pod, first time in forever. Got Tommy Beer and Dr. A. Steve Alexander. Steve, what's up, man? What's happening? Three man. Three man. Three man weave. What up, Tommy? What's up, brother? Not much, man. So it should be fun. Um, again, let's. We got to start with yesterday, and LeBron doesn't like game ones. Uh, all three of his bad games were from game ones, really. Uh, everywhere else, he's been pretty solid. But this game in particular, just to put how bad this was, uh, it was his worst plus minus minus thirty two, third worst in this entire season. Um, he won, uh, and then he also had seven um, seven turnovers compared to eight in the whole Toronto series. Um, his lowest scoring game by a mile, fifteen points. Next worst was twenty two. Worst turnover game overall. Uh, second time all season, he's had an effective field goal percentage lower than his usage rate, with the biggest difference there. And he only had a point oh five point five six points per possession last yesterday. So reference for that. Among 243 players that had 100 possessions, only one player was worse than that. That was Malik Monk uh, at a putrid .44. So, uh, I'll ask Tommy first, man. Um, LeBron, like, are we worried at all? We saw Marcus Morris. We'll talk about him in a second. But, like, what's our concern level on LeBron? I will quote LeBron and say my concern level is zero. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. I did go to college, but um, uh, unlike LeBron, as he mentioned, but uh, it, as he mentioned, it's not March Madness. Um, one game does not a season make, certainly not single elimination. Um, and, uh, you know, LeBron has, has a history of bouncing back after four games. I meant to look it up earlier this morning, but I will. I, I did look up. He's the his teams are uh, he scored 15 or fewer points. Um, uh, t- 13 times in his NBA in the postseason in his career, uh, and and his teams are just one in 12, unsurprisingly, in those 13 games. Um, and just looking at the first few games after those, it's typically he bounces back quite well. Um, so I, you know, from a DFS perspective, I'm sure he'll be. Um, you know, typically we see a guy that gets really hot have a, a really high usage rate in his next contest. I think just the opposite will hold true this time. I think most of us will assume that LeBron will bounce back in a big way. And I guess we could discuss it, but what essentially amounts to a must-win game for the Cavs, it's, uh, you know, certainly it's not a must-win. You know, certainly there's a path for them to advancing to the finals, you know, despite falling, um, if they were to fall down 0-2. Um, obviously, they'd still have two games in Cleveland, and Boston's certainly not the same team on the road as they 
have been at home in the postseason. Um, but make no mistake about it, this is an important game for the Cavs. Um, and I think we can expect LeBron to come out aggressive and, you know, and, and almost anticipate one of his vintage 30-point triple-doubles. Yeah, and Jonas and I, we were saying we were expecting like 33-11-11. Do you think right. that's, Steve, do you think that's kind of still where we're at? Or are you concerned from, are you are you higher than zero uh, on level of concern? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm. I mean, I'm worried about the Cavs being able to to win this series. I'm not worried about LeBron putting up numbers either way. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, do you th- I, I mean, I'm I worried. I, I had the I had the Cavs in six initially because I was like, all right, I don't want to bet against LeBron again. Do you, Tommy, are you? What was your initial prediction? Would you change it now? I had Cavs in six. Um, although I wouldn't be surprised if it went seven. I think it's, it's probably safer to assume right now that it'll go Cavs in seven. Um, I think, you know, the same questions that, you know, the, the, if you were pessimistic about the Cavs going in or were just highlighted. Um, you know, his supporting cast was terrible in round one. Um, they stepped up in round two, and we'll see what they do in round three. Um, even though LeBron played poorly, um, he certainly wasn't alone against Boston in game one. So obviously. They're going to need him to step up to George Hills and the Kevin Loves and the Tristan Thompson. We'll see. You know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about him potentially getting inserted into the starting lineup in place of Kyle Korver. Um, those are the types of moves. Um, but then again, I, I, you know, in terms of the team bouncing back, I, I think we can all assume that they're not going to go, uh, you know, miss their first 13 or 12 three pointers. And I think they were one of, you know, one of 11 on uncontested open threes. Um, so I think those numbers will regress, the, you know, or progress to the mean. Yeah, four threes ties their lowest output all season, regular season included. Uh, just couldn't hit open shots, like you said. Anything you want to add on role players, Steve, or anybody you think that, like, again, the Tristan Thompson thing, let's actually highlight that first. Um, he may start, presumably, for Kyle Korver. Um, yeah, they just kind of got beat inside. So, I mean, that obviously puts Tristan Thompson on the table for especially such a thin position at center. Um, so, role players-wise, and I guess predictions, where, where were you at in that um, next, Steve? Well, I think Tristan Thompson is is somebody you got to look at playing. If he starts and they need help on the inside, he's going to be um, um, a much bigger part of, of what Cleveland does. Um, Corver, I, I just, I a buddy of mine when when the Pacers were playing Cleveland, it was it was all scared of Kyle Corver. I'm not I'm not scared of LeBron. I'm scared of Corver. I was like, what is wrong with you, dude? <laughs> Um, so I'm not really, I'm not really scared of Kyle Corver. I think J.R. Smith, um, could, could be a factor in the series if he gets hot. Um, just nobody on the Cavs was hot except for Tristan Thompson. <laughs> the entire roster was minus and plus my, oh no, excuse me, uh, Jetty Osman plus three. My mistake. Uh, so roll with, roll with the return of the Jetty Osman. All right, um, now, okay, one thing on, on this series though is, uh, can we all agree that Brad Stevens is a genius. Yes, he is. Very, and, very and, we, genius. and Brian, my buddy Brian Rosenworcel asked me yesterday, like, does this room, does this roster even have room for Gordon Hayward? Like, with Jalen and Jason Tatum looking so good, and then Rogier and Smart and Kyrie, like, where does where does Hayward fit in here? Is he a power forward on this team? And Kyrie. Right. Well, they had the opening night starters uh, with um, – Kyrie, Tatum, Brown, Hayward, and Horford. So that's probably what they're looking at going into next year. What do you think, Tommy? I think it's not a crazy question, and I think it's insane that Danny Danny Ainge has composed a roster in which it, it'll be difficult to find room for a healthy Gordon Hayward. Like, think about that. Like, yeah. 
the amount of talent, you know, in today's NBA, you want those versatile, long, rangy, athletic wings, um, and the and the, the Celtics roster is kind of you know overflowing with them. Um, not to mention the fact that they got a you know potentially four first round picks in next year's draft. And um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Brad Stevens, absolutely. And when you got those, and, and I think it's a combination of Ainge, you know, building the roster and then Stevens coaching it. Um, those two guys at the top of that franchise put that franchise in such a great position going forward. Um, I, there's just no other coach GM combo that you'd rather have in the league. Two things I'll add. Uh, third factor in that, in that situation is Billy King just giving away all those pieces uh, <laughs> from the Nets. Uh, and secondly, this reminds me a lot of like a fantasy team that you built that's just so good top to bottom. And like you're restricted on making roster moves, so like you're trying to make three for ones and two for ones. Like I feel like that a trade scenario could could be uh, on the table. I mean, especially with how how deep they are. Like they could. I know everyone's talking about Anthony Davis, but I mean, there's other players that are, you know, not quite as like there's, there's players that are better than Hayward that are worse than Davis. You know, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's definitely they got to do something, right? Like they're too deep right now. Like to have no Kyrie and no Hayward to play as well as they are, like Rudy yeah. here has just found money. Yeah, you know, he's only got one year left, so it'll be interesting to see. They could, I could see them, you know, trading him at the deadline or something. Yeah. You know how we call the Sacramento Kings the Kangs? <laughs> we call Billy Billy King Billy Kang. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll come back to this series in a second for DFS. Or anything, I guess quickly on the Celtics, I mean, same story, Jalen Brown was killer in the first half, really set the tone, um, and Marcus Morris, he had the bulletin board material, said that he was gonna, he was the best defender on LeBron besides Kawhi Leonard, and he did the job, I mean, they were, with him defending, they had a plus 23.9 point differential, LeBron only had 8 points on 3 of 10 from the field, and just... Solid and four turnovers too. So that's that's a lot of points, um, not a lot of points, and you know, it's a real great game. So uh, quickly on Marcus Morris and Semi Ojale, as expected, uh, he was number two in possessions at fifteen, and then Rogier at seven, which was basically switches. So um, Morris and Ojale, which we kind of expected that he, they would eat into Baines's minutes, we're obviously buying that. Tommy, anything you want to add in that situation? Uh, yeah, I think we'll see more of Ojale going forward. It was interesting. Um, in games in the closeout game against um, in the second round um, against the Sixers, Stevens basically only went with a seven-man rotation. I think Ojale played seven minutes, but everyone else played you know, 24 minutes or more. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Stevens um, decides to kind of spread out and, and balance out the, the playing time a little bit more. We saw that more so um, in game one, although it was a blowout, so it's kind of difficult to read too much into that. Um, but yeah, I, I think Morris will come back down to earth and um, you know, even the second spec- spectrum data had him during the regular season. Over the course of his career, um, you know, a solid defender on LeBron. You know, obviously no one stops LeBron. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a team effort. And I think Stevens, again, did a brilliant job kind of mixing and matching coverages, throwing different bodies at him, keeping guys fresh. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, going forward, I, I think um, it's safe to assume. I wouldn't expect 21 and 10 for more. So let's just put it that, you know, I think we can, we can, we can agree on that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Stevens will kind of balance out the playing time a little bit more too. What do you think, Steve? Anything you want to throw in there? I just I, this Celtics team just I, I'm just just amazed by by the job Brad Stevens is, is doing with them. Like I could see the Celtics sweeping the Cavs in the series. I I could see the Cavs winning in seven. Like I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I know 
that Tyron Lu is scared to death right now. I do know that. The Cavs are so unpredictable. I said this yeah. for years now. Yeah. Like in the especially in the playoffs. Um, a couple things I'll add. Uh, beware of that Baines twenty five minutes. He played ten in the fourth. Um, so you know, don't expect that again. Kind of what I'm saying. Like I think um, more Ojale and all that stuff. But he played phenomenally well uh, off the bench. Their second unit did damage um, despite being really basically an eight man rotation. Okay, uh, let's talk about the game tonight. So check out. Um, Ryan and I did a pretty you know, thorough pod, um, so check that out with a lot of matchups. I don't want to kind of over-repeat myself a bunch, but some weekend notes from Kerr. He said he's entertaining playing Jordan Bell and Nick Young. Nick Young was incredible in the season series. Um, 96.4 true shooting, if memory serves. Let me see, what was that again? It was, eh, Something like that. Um, so we know we're going to get the Hamptons 5, a lot of that, um, you know, just quickly on that, that lineup is crushed. Uh, plus 49 and plus minus, plus 54 net rating. Um, just 37 minutes in the last two games. Um, that's, that's for the last two games. So, um, I mean, Iguodala is going to be a big piece. I love Stephen Curry. I think Stephen Curry is going to be the MVP of this series. Um, I guess I'll hand it to you first, Steve. What stars do you think are going to shine in this series? I'm with you. I think Curry is going gonna, is gonna to go off. I think Chris Paul is going to take it as a personal challenge. And I think Paul's probably going to be pretty big too. I think, I think the point guards, between the point guards and Harden and Durant, it's just going to be a blast to watch this series. Um, and it, a lot of people are, are considering this to be the true NBA Finals. Um, maybe that's true, although I, I don't, I don't know that either one of them. I, I don't want to play Brad Stevens and that Celtics scrapper D, but, um, man, I took the Rockets to win it all in our little preseason predictions piece and, or, you know, pre postseason predictions. Um, I don't know how good I feel about that pick at this point because the Warriors, uh, the Warriors look scary right now. Ryan swapped it. Ryan had initially pre-playoffs Rockets, and now he's like, okay, I got the Warriors now. So, Tommy, anything you want to add? Stars that'll shine? Oh, one other thing I want to throw in here. Just for tonight, uh, interesting referee selection. Uh, Scott Foster, I think this is courtesy of NBC Sports Bay Area. Um, When Scott Foster officiates... They are seven and seven. The war, the superstar warriors, right? And when he doesn't, forty-eight and ten. Um, and then also Tony Brothers. We know him and Draymond and all that. Uh, wild. So, on that note, what do you, what do you think? Stars that'll shine. Draymond was obviously awesome. Average triple double in the last round. Like Clay is going to be on um, hard in a bunch. Yeah, I, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Durant. Um, I think he's kind of the differentiator. Um, you know, the one unmatchable, you know, uncheckable, you know, player on, on either roster um, in, a, in, a, in a series full of superstars. Obviously, you know, we can expect Harden and Paul to do their thing as well as Curry. And um, I think Clay Thompson's kind of been building up his confidence. And one of the maybe the silver lining of Steph missing some time was Thompson kind of reestablishing his confidence and reasserting himself as, as, as a main cog offensively. Um, but I think Durant is this combination of, uh, you know, we, we know what he brings to the table. And, you know, the last uh, postseason series uh, that 
the, the Warriors were challenged in the finals last year. You know, we know Durant was the MVP. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as the series, I, I do truly believe that this is the this will decide the NBA Finals. This the champion will be the winner of this series. Um, I don't think either East team will can, will uh, with all due respect to Brad Stevens and as well as the Colts <laughs> and, and the scrappy Celtics, and they'll be an underdog if they get there. Um, and the Cavs, obviously, with LeBron, I would never count out a LeBron James team. Um, but certainly, if I had to pick. I'd go with the winner of this this series, and I do believe it'll be the Warriors. Um, pick them uh, in, just at the start of the postseason, and I think they'll kind of win rather comfortably, to be honest. I decided to. I took the Warriors in five. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, I think I thought Steve Kerr's quote was, um, "This is the most focused this team has been since 2015." Um, you know, was his quote either? I think it was yesterday, um, and uh, I think there's some truth to that. I, I think they kind of were um, a little bit, uh, you know, they kind of got bored during the regular season, which is understandable. You know, three straight finals runs. Um, I think they're focused now, and when they're playing at the top of their game and moving the ball crisply and locked in defensively and, and sure of their assignments and exactly what they plan to do um there's no team on planet earth that can compete with them you know if they were missing one of their top four guys then you know then, then it certainly would be more interesting but um as we all noted once they added durant they kind of took their level of talent to a to another stratosphere and i think they'll i think they've been eager for an opportunity to flex their muscles and to to and to be forced to focus and i think this this series will give them an opportunity to show what they can do um, when playing at their highest level yeah one thing i'll add kerr like you said um he was asked about not having home court and he said i'd rather have the rings uh which is kind of yeah. like a burn yeah. um anything you want to add steve before we dive into this dfs angle uh, i just think that houston's gonna need somebody who we haven't talked about to step up whether it's trevor reza whether it's ryan anderson whether it's eric gordon whether clint capella has a monster series against a team that doesn't really play a center. You know, some, some one of those minor characters for Houston is going to have to have a big series, or one guy is going to have to step up each night if, if they're going to hang. If I'm Steve Kerr, I think obviously Harden's great, so is Chris Paul. I think one thing I want to do is try to get Capella off the floor. And they have the personnel to do it like nobody's business, right? I mean, we know Capella. Look how, look how hot he's been defensively. Five blocks, six blocks, four blocks in the last three games. Obviously, Utah is a much different style of play than Golden State. So I think if if, that, if I'm if I'm Kerr, uh, that's my plan is like basically what with Stevens did with Embiid, right? Keep him in the corners, keep him away from the paint, cut down that in the paint defense time. I think that's kind of a critical point. So I'm a, I'm a little worried about Capella. Um, like I um, just DFS wise, I was pleased to see that Al Horford switched over to center. Uh, because I, I mean, besides that, like, it's pretty much just Capella or Thompson now. So I thought that was um, a big note. Uh, how do you, are you with me on that, Tommy, or what? Do you think that Capella could be kind of neutralized? I guess a la Embiid. I think it's a great point, and I think who kind of wins the battle of Capella? In other words, do the Rockets force the Warriors to adjust because Capella's just. You know, uh, you know, I think it was the 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 Zach Lowe pod where they were talking about how Capella, you know, once they run that that high the high screen and roll and kind of get Capella into that Draymond Green position where he's running downhill four and three, um, you know, with the, with the other two Warriors at the top of the key, you know, trying to you know keep contain either Paul or or, or Harden, who's ever um, the 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 ball handler in the in the in the screen and roll situation, um, and then kind of have Capella as a playmaker and challenge. Can he perform in that role? Can he find open shooters in the corner? Can he put the ball on the floor a couple times and get to the basket? Um, it's not something we've seen him do a ton, um, although he has done it in limited success. 
Um, and I, I think that'll kind of be key, um, you know, for to see how much, you know, can he play his typical, you know, his usual allotment of minutes if he's effective on both ends of the floor. Um, because you're right, if he's not, if he's not out of the paint, um, and the Sixers can effectively, uh, the Warriors rather can effect, effectively take him off the floor. I, I think the you know the analogy used with the Celtics was a great example. Was Embiid's effectiveness was greatly diminished um, by having to chase out Baines, you know, out to the three point line. Um, yeah, I think that'll be. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the key subplots and one of the more interesting uh, subplots of the series. Before I ask you, Steve, one other note: uh, Capella among. All the Rockets that played more than 12 minutes, uh, he had a team low minus 27.5 net rating uh, over 76 minutes. So uh, the Warriors do know how to do some damage against Capella. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, the way the the Warriors play and the way they don't really use the center, I I'm I'm I think Capella is going to struggle um, against the Warriors just because they don't they make it hard. Um, hard to use a center against them. So I, I'd rather just save the money and roll with Tristan Thompson uh, and punt there and spend my money elsewhere. Yeah, one other thing, too. Uh, Curry had an interesting quote. He expects them to get them to switch on ball defense a lot, as much as they can, was the plan. He expected like pick and roll quote every single play. Um, he expects to play a lot of defense. So with that, uh, let's talk about this two-game slate Talking, we're just going to go through positions like we usually do here. Point guard, you're pretty much looking at you got three studs. You got CP3's 9 1, Curry 9 8. I think that's a super bargain. And then Rozier is right there at 8 5. George Hill's cheap at 4 7. Livingston at 3 2. Uh, I'll just say Curry's a lock for me. Um, Tommy, do you have any? Who do you like after that? And I agree. Uh, yeah, agreed with you. Definitely rolling with Steph. Um, I think I, I'd probably lean towards George Hill um, in an attempt to save money. I think he's he's due for a bounce back game. I think he's kind of been a barometer a bit for the for the Cavs. Um, you know, we we know how crucial he was in that second half when he came back in round one, um, and then in the four game series against the the Raptors, he was effective. I think he scored in double figures three of the four games, um, and, and played well. Shot shot over sixty percent for the series. Um, so I think if he can have a bounce back game, um, he could provide uh, you know twenty twenty five you know maybe thirty fantasy points that that could be clutch from that position at a relatively affordable salary. Steve, we think. Uh, I. I'm going Curry, and I've got Terry Rozier in there as my other point guard. Like those are the two. I'm fine with a George Hill punt if you want to go there. Uh, I'm fine with rolling with Curry and Chris Paul if you can um, cut it down in in other places. It'd be tough to get Curry and Paul and LeBron in there um, without having super scrubs all the rest of the way. So um, I, I put together a decent lineup with Curry and Rozier. That's Sort of where I'm leaning. I see. I'm pretty much going Curry and Punt. Um, I probably Hill if I can get him in there, uh, and then Livingston if I must. Uh, Livingston's supposed to be like a stabilizer, which I think he gets a bigger piece of the pie in this series um, with his length and perimeter defense. I think that they may kind of pull Cook out a little bit. Um, so I do like Livingston as far as the straight punts go. Um, shooting guard, a little bit worried about Harden in comparison, but his price went down to 11.7, so that's pretty nice. So, I like the, I mean, and I've done it. You could do Curry, Harden, and LeBron and punt everywhere else, especially now with Tristan Thompson in the mix. But, um, I guess I'll leave this first. Uh, Harden, obviously, is, is so much better than everyone else, so it makes a lot of sense to put him in there. 
Uh, and then Jalen Brown really, really jumps out. I'm totally sold. I was sold on him before game one. Even more so now, I think he's going to have a monster series. Really like him. Marcus Smart's fine. I'm looking for punts. Not a lot uh, that you can really like there. I guess if you want to go super cheap, um, I guess Corver. I don't know. I mean, I don't. This is like nobody really that cheap. Oh no, um, Swaggy P. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. Swaggy P at three thousand. Yeah, I think um, you know the the Warriors have mentioned that uh, or Kerr mentioned that that Young had had a, a, was effective during the regular season against the the Rockets. It's kind of a solid matchup for him. Um, and um, as far as Corver, there's you know talk about you know Tristan Thompson taking his place in the starting lineup. So would be a little bit concerned about his minutes going forward. So if I was looking for a punt play from shooting guard, definitely Nick Young would be my guy. Yep. See what we think. Yeah, I agree. The price on Nick Young is nice, three thousand. I like Jalen, man. I'm I'm probably gonna play Jalen. Um, Sixty seven hundred bucks, and he's he's gonna be such a such a stud down the line. But uh, you know, he looked good in game one, but then again, all the Celtics did. But uh, I, I like Jalen, and I, I like the Nick Young punt angle too. Yeah. Anybody else punt wise you're looking at? Like, would you want to go with Corver or Jr.'s forty five? Yeah, I'm kind of feeling Jr. Um, but for the fifteen hundred bucks, I'd rather just go with Nick Young. Yeah, you're probably gonna need it. Um, and then yeah, I mean, at that point, like I figure I had to save two thousand to get Jalen. Even Marcus Smart for only nine hundred, I feel like that's a much better bargain. Yeah, Tommy, with me on that one too. Yeah, I like it. The other thing is if you're if you're on, if you're hedging on Jalen Brown, not sure if he can replicate that performance. You know, Clay Thompson's only hundred dollars more than him um, at sixty eight, and um, you know same thing with Nick Young. You would you would only play him in a, in a tournament style, um, and uh, you know Clay Thompson's another guy that he's you know he's certainly capable of exploding for for twenty eight thirty points, um, and uh, you know a few rebounds, a few assists, etc. So um, he's another guy that you you might want to take a look at if you're trying to be a little bit different in terms of uh, filling out your lineup. Yeah, I mentioned on the pod. That I'm a little on the preview pod with Ryan. That we Ryan and I agreed that we're a little worried he's going to be really defensive oriented in this series. And we felt like the last game where they really fed him a lot was like, okay, here, enjoy these shots now. You're not going to get him in the next round. What do you think about Clay, Steve? Um, Clay, Clay's going to have three 28 point games in the series, and then he's going to have a couple games where he does where he kind of disappears. So. You got to pick him on the wrong on the right night, yeah. um, sort of like Nick Young, sort of like Marcus Smart. Um, those guys, you, you got to pick your spots and, and hit them at the right time. But uh, you know, Clay is Clay's probably going to be a boom or bust kind of guy in the series, which makes me a little nervous. Um, I can see you picking him on the wrong night and and paying for it. Yep. He needs to do some more than just, he needs, like you said, he needs to score like 25 to flirt with value because he's so scoring dependent. Um, I'll let you go first on, on small forward, Steve. Obviously, we like LeBron. Uh, and it sounds like Tommy likes Kevin Durant more than we do. But I'll let's see what you think. Uh, I've got LeBron in there. I think a, an interesting punt, just because he's had a, some big games for the Rockets, is P.J. Tucker. Uh, I don't trust him, but... And he's kind of expensive for what he is, but he's got the potential to hit threes and get steals and block. He, he does a little bit of everything when he's active and when he's involved. Um, I think P.J. Tucker is going to have a decent series. He's going to be on Durant a bunch. Wait, I mean, he's going to be out there. Tommy, do you, you like Durant a lot. Do you like him more than LeBron, even with uh, the price difference? 
Yeah, I mean, given the price difference, it's it's really tempting. If if I'm doing just a um, um, the Monday night slate, I'm I'm definitely going with Durant. Um, if we're doing the two night Monday Tuesday, and I got to choose between them, I'd probably lean towards LeBron just because it's a, a safer bet. Even though I, I'd I'd see once I have my I'd probably fill out what I probably do is I'll, I'll what I will probably do is probably fill out two lineups, have Durant in one um, to save a little money, spread it elsewhere, and then have LeBron in the other. But if I was forced to choose one, I'd probably go with LeBron because. As we mentioned before, I think it's a, a safe bet he's going to explode for. If you go, day. if you go down from LeBron to Durant, you have so many options. Like you can you go, really do. you can you go, really yeah, you can get Nick Young, and then you can go way up to like Jalen. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, it definitely opens up some doors, I and mean, that's a, a hefty price difference. So it's closer than I think. I, I mean, I don't know how I don't take LeBron out. It's going to be really tough to play both. Um, so we'd probably be looking at some punts here. Not a lot. Um, I, the, the guy I like the most for punt-wise, under 5,000, is easily Andre Iguodala. I think he's going to have a huge series. Again, we saw them play 37 minutes per game. I'm sorry, 37 minutes total in the last two starts. Um, a lot of garbage time baked into that. So they want to play him 22 minutes, it feels like. So that's going to be 22 plus, you know, call it 10 more minutes when not with that five. So I love Iguodala. He's probably among guys under 5,000. Like, he's probably my favorite. Wasn't he, the, he was a finals MVP a few years ago, wasn't he? Yeah. Yep. Like, I, I still can't believe that happened. But, um, I mean, he's obviously a big a big part of what they do. He plays defense. He, he knows the system. He, they're totally comfortable with him out there at all times. So, yeah, Iguodal for 48 seems like a, like a pretty good deal. Anybody else? Uh, I like Ojale at 31 for the punts. Uh, and then other than that, that's – I mean, that's that's the only super cheap guy that I, I would consider. But, I mean, look at Iguodala versus P.J. Tucker's 1,000 more. A reason is only 200 less than that. Like, that's, like, easily if you're uh, going semi-cheap. Sem- speaking of semi, um, so, like, I'm looking at Durant, LeBron. Tatum's – I don't really like Tatum, to be honest. I was – Jonas loves Tatum. I was, like, kind of on the fence just because they're kind of like Warriors light. You know, there's so many guys that could hurt you, and he's being priced – Pretty aggressively at seven three. So, what are our thoughts on Tatum, Tommy? What do you think? I think he's got a high floor. Um, you know, he scored. Uh, I got the game lock here. At least thirty fantasy points in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games in a row now uh, in the postseason. Um, so, you know that that's a that's a solid fantasy floor. But again, they're pricing them up to seventy three. Um, you'd prefer to have. Uh, that's not going to give you great bang for your buck in terms of value for 73. So I'd pass on Tatum um, just in terms of the value. I definitely would go with the, the, you know, uh, LeBron or Durant. Yeah. Um, just one, one other cheap guy that you, that you didn't mention would be Gerald Green if you're looking for a punt at 3,800. Um, he's one of those boomer bust guys. He'll probably score 20 points one game this series um, or 18 points. Um, so he might be a guy that if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're looking to save money, might do you know? Do you know who led the Rockets in points per game against the Warriors this year? Who? Oh. Gerald Green. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He had that 128 pointer, and that's it. But uh, anything you want to add on small forwards, Steve? We kind of covered this one. Uh, I love Tatum. I don't okay. think I'm going to be able to play him because of LeBron and Durant. Uh, like PJ Tucker, um, Iguodala, of course. Like with with those guys, even Trevor Reza, um, with that value out there and, and spending all that money on LeBron or Durant, I just Tatum's going to be tough to squeeze in. He's probably a good contrarian play. Yep, I think so. The kind of I always say like reverse engineering lineups, you know, and putting those guys mid guys in could definitely work for you. 
Uh, power forward, tricky, probably the toughest one. Um, you got Dre at nine, Kevin Love at eight three, um, and then Mark way down. You got Marcus Morris is nice. Uh, after this tremendous, like we've mentioned, that twenty one ten plot is not happening again. Um, and then obviously Kevon Looney, those are going to be the chalky guys for good reason. We know uh, Looney's going to be really active in this series. I expect him to play twenty six minutes a game, forty six hundred. Kind of, he'll have a tough time really thriving because he's not a stats guy. But you're just looking for cheap guys, and he comes uh, as an option there. What do you think, Tommy? Yeah, I think it was uh, Zach Lowe on his podcast. He mentioned that he might that his guess was that Looney would actually start um, in Game One versus the Rockets if the if Kerr decided to go away from the Hamptons five lineup, um, put Looney in there at center, um, kind of more of a versatile, um, uh, give the the Warriors a little more versatility because um, the despite having a bunch of centers on their roster. Um, you know they don't have to, you know they, they don't have too many effective centers so um, he, he thought Looney might get a look so he's one guy that you want to punt um, I suppose we'll find out about 8:30 or if, you know if, if Kerr chooses to announce what his starting lineup will be we might it might be until you know 9:07 when we find <laughs> out um, but uh, he's one guy that I, I would consider as far as a punt play Mabam um, Mute is another option at 3,700 um, and Ryan Anderson even though he's done nothing at all um, the fact that he's only 2,800 is um, uh, if you're in a GPP, it's something to, I guess consider if he gets in there, um, maybe knock down a couple three pointers and, and give you, you know, provide, uh, you know, even a few fantasy points will, will be good bang for the buck. Uh, I'll ask you, Steve. Uh, Draymond, again, the, the big question for me is Draymond at nine or Kevin Love at eight three. Love had a rough game one, really got shut down all season series. We've seen him, he's had good games against the Celtics in years previous, but really every game he's played versus Boston's been ugly. Um, he was just okay at seven. 17 and 8, 3 assists. So, where are you at on the Draymond versus Love? Are you punting? What do you think? Uh, I'm probably just going to punt power forward. I'm probably going to go Marcus Morris and maybe a David West, something like that. Um, if I'm choosing between Draymond and Kevin Love, it's not even close. I'm, I'm going Draymond all day. Even with the 700 dip, like what If there was like a $2,000 difference, would you still take Draymond? Uh, I would probably find a way to take Draymond. The fact yeah. that they're, they're priced that closely together is a little bit weird to me. I would think Draymond would be a lot, lot higher. Um, so I, if you're choosing between those two, I mean, it's just Dray, Draymond hands down. Yeah, Jonas and I were saying, like, okay, game one could be really indicative for what we think Kevin Love's going to be, and he was bad. So, like, I guess I'm a little bit worried. Yeah, I, I feel like it's if, – if Dray was, like, 95, I would still like him more than Kevin Love's 83. Okay, so center, like we said, pretty simple. Not many. Uh, anybody like Capella? No. Eh, for the price, I probably I I, I pass. Yeah, I much prefer Horford uh, at eighteen hundred dollars cheaper. Definitely. Um, yeah, not even close, uh, Steve. I mean, ninety ninety four hundred, man. That is, that is really expensive. Yep. And Horford's a lot cheaper, and then Tristan Thompson is basically half his price. And yeah. I'm I'm just going Thompson here and spending money everywhere else. That's pretty much what it comes down to is you just look at – and Baines, I guess, at 4-4, which actually isn't bad. But I think well, – I, I don't know. I want to say Baines would be kind of chalky after the minutes he played. But probably if, if Thompson starts, then right. <clears throat> he'll be super chalky. I mean, <clears throat> it's not a bad idea to play Baines at 4-4. I don't think like I don't I don't like him at all. But I'm just saying like if Thompson starts, he's going to be so highly owned. And we've seen him flop. Um, what the yep. last time he what had two points and two boards or something? The last time we made him chalk, <laughs> and he was not good. So what do you think, Tommy? 
Yeah, I, I just the the way my I happened to fill out my roster was I had I literally had exactly four thousand four hundred remaining for center position, so um, I ended up going with Baines. Um, but yeah, you could certainly make a case for Thompson's probably the better value play. Um, you know, we're assuming that he'll start even if he comes off the bench. You know, you saw that he provided energy and spark, and um, you know, kind of know what he's going to produce. Um, he has a higher floor. I think Baines is a higher ceiling, so that that you could maybe let that you know make be the determining factor for you. Yep. It's and you can also just focus on which games you want to attack and stuff. So it's pretty close because right. we know Thompson's definitely full of duds. All right, so I think we're good. No we way, good. I guess so. <laughs> that silence means we're good. Do, so, do, we, do we need to talk about the yes stuff going down in Washington D.C.? Yes, we should, I meant to lead with that, but uh, we we got off track. So yeah, I'm pretty pumped. Everyone's pumped. So I think we're going to have some sports gambling going down uh, with the big ruling today. Um, New Jersey coming through. I'm proud of New Jersey. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be you know, kind of like you would think this is going to happen really fast. I mean, if you're a state legislator and you're looking to get income to your state, you would be all over this, the quote-unquote rake factor. Um, yeah, um, we'll see what happens, but we'll definitely be – I'd love to talk more about um, lines and um, – you know, I like to bet bet some lines, some stuff, especially when I'm in Vegas. You guys pumped for this, Steve? Yeah, man. Let's go. Let's 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 gamble on sports. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy too. Yeah. We we've, we've we've already been gambling on sports. Now let's talk about it and do it legally. And you know, this way, you know, the, um, yeah. I, I, obviously, I think it's um, you know a no brainer from from a state's decision. You know, um, Supreme Court seven two decision today um, allows states to make the decision on. I think most states. Um, we can assume when they look at the bottom line um, and see the amount of revenue and in, income that the windfall that they'll receive um, by doing so. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, from a sports perspective, I think it'll be interesting to see whether arenas and stadiums start to do some in in building, in arena betting, live live gambling type situations. I, I think that'll certainly come down the pike sooner rather than later. That's awesome. Some, yeah, some sports leagues have positioned themselves to take advantage of this ruling more than others. NFL is really – exactly. Um, NFL and, and Roger Goodell have really dragged their feet for whatever reason I, that I don't understand um, when it comes to this issue, whereas Adam Silver and the NBA have been way out in front um, and positioned themselves to take advantage of this um, brilliantly. And I think we'll see it again sooner rather than later. Um, from, a, from a team perspective, um, I think this could impact the salary cap going forward. Um, it's kind of projected to be kind of a flat cap, but I think this will increase team revenues as well, um, which could increase the the salary cap of you know a, a few percentage points, which um, could lead to some interesting impacts in terms of free agency, not this summer, but but going forward. So um, yes, we'll have plenty of time and hours and and column column space to dedicate to it. But um, good news, interesting news, um, and this is uh, this is make no mistake, this is a landmark decision in, in sport in American sports um, that'll have far far reaching impacts uh, going forward awesome uh, couldn't have said it better myself i'll add that the, all the players associations have kind of joined together as well the big four sports in america too so yeah we're we're here man it's a, a big day so we'll end on a good note great three-man pod this is so much fun uh, so you guys take care thanks for coming on thanks mike thanks see ya Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. 
Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.